Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I am your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast is for heart-centered leaders just like you. I hope our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. These interview sessions are sponsored by our great friends at Elevate Online Marketing. On episode 210, it is so great to welcome back Christine Saunders. Christine is a great friend of our community. She is the founder of Wholehearted Life. And she originally joined us back on episode 13 in September 2018. It's been a long time. I'm so glad to bring Christine's heart and mind back to the podcast. Christine's mission is to partner with you to unlock your potential and break down barriers so that you can live a wholehearted life. Her goal is to provide you proven strategies and help you navigate around the fear that paralyzes you and the majority of society from following your passion, taking risks and being blissfully happy. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. It is Christine Saunders on episode 210. Christine Saunders, welcome back to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> the challenge I've got is to make this a podcast where people that are going to be tuning in can actually listen to it. It's not just two people having a nice chat and a catch-up. I've got <laughs> I've got to some way create the environment for other people to benefit from this conversation too. <laughs> Absolutely. You joined us episode 13 back in September 2018. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That's been a long time. I can't believe it's been that long. Right. Yeah. What's that? Four and a half years? Something like that. What episode are you on now? Um, so 207 has gone out today as we record this. So wow. this this will be like 210. <laughs> that is awesome. That is so great. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I just, people ask the, ask the secret was that I just, I just haven't, I started and haven't stopped. It's just that stubbornness yeah. of continue. Like there's no, there's no secret to it. I just haven't stopped. <laughs> right. <laughs> For sure. The universe keeps sending good people my way. So I just have to interview them. There you go. Right. That's how yeah. it works. The, um the angle that we kind of took when we spoke like, last time you know, the wholehearted life was was something front and center of your activities but I've really I just want to just take a moment to like honor you and admire how you've shown up like for the last three years you know the world has been through at least one crisis unfortunately your community has been through several mm -hmm. and um you know your what many people might not know is that beyond your role as a, as a coach, your your actual day job is in disaster management. It is disaster management and operations. And, you know, one of the things that I've been saying during the pandemic is that you don't prepare to be a leader during the crisis. You prepare before the crisis and then the leader shows up during the crisis. And, and you, my friend, have shown up. You and your colleagues have absolutely shown up uh during these times i'd love to kind of make a little bit of space and time for for that if you don't mind today yeah absolutely i'd love to mm, i don't know what you'd like to know but i am an open book as you know i do know that i do know that and um you know i, I highly encourage people to, to go and check out episode 13 um back in 2018 just so you can just so you can hear a bit of, of chris's backstory and and routings but Tell us a little bit about your role at um, in in Boulder County. So, what you yeah. from Bo just outside of Boulder in Colorado? Tell us a little bit about your role. 
Yeah, so my role with uh, Boulder County government is with uh, Boulder County Housing and Human Services. And within that role, I am the director of operations and that encompasses a disaster management element for the human service side of disasters. So it's the human side of disasters. We're very well, very well trained on the tactical side, the first response piece, um, where we get to shine is in that personal human side of a disaster. So we're in charge of mass care and sheltering. Uh, along with volunteer management. And then um, on top of that, we also do um, mass casualty incidences where we set up like a family reunification center and then a notification center. Mm -hmm. And so that's our job. And unfortunately, we did have one of those in the last three years, mm -hmm. um, as well as multiple disasters and mm -hmm. things that we've worked through. So that's my role. It's a huge role outside of the operations I also am in charge of site-based safety and security for our buildings, um, and then project management, space utilization, anything that falls under other duties as assigned is really sort of my catch-all. <laughs> yeah, give us some give us some understanding of timelines. I, I mean, I, I remember when there was a time when I was at uh, the local police force in Wiltshire, and, and we went through a couple of mass like media there was obviously the huge beast from the east kind of storm which put the whole force on the ground and then they went into this thing uh, around the salisbury poisonings i don't know how much you saw around the coverage of that with, with russia and novichok and 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 that um it just almost seemed to go back to back to back with crises one thing to another and i think the one great thing about public service public sector just somehow keep going. Uh, I don't know where they get their strength from, um, and and I think you, you you know your colleagues have been the same, serving your hearts out. Give us an idea of the, the kind of timeline with some of these events that have gone on over the last three years. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it has been that back to back episode. So, just in the last three years, we had a mass casualty incident in one of our supermarkets, mm -hmm. which was quite impactful we had um we sort of had a plan it was kind of half baked mm -hmm. and um we flew by the seat of our pants and ultimately was very successful response the actual tragedy of course you know is is very is still very impactful for the community um but our role in that was kind of short is about day day and a half mm -hmm. um, and then it turns into a recovery so there's a response phase and then there's a recovery phase and myself and my colleagues are re the response phase. We're not part of the recovery, even though we dabble our little toes in that sometimes. Um, and then just a year later, we had a massive, well, started out as a wildfire, grassland fire that ultimately um, spread to a very uh, concentrated housing urban area. And we lost over um, 900 homes lots of buildings, lots of businesses. Um, and so that was that was a huge lift as far as the response for that. That, that was a, a huge response in evacuations, shelters. We ran a shelter with our local Red Cross uh, for two, almost two weeks, which is unheard of mm. for that type of, you know, response. And then um, we opened a disaster assistance center for upwards of three months with our FEMA partners. Um, and that was a big, big deal. And um, shortly after that, we've had a couple of wildfires. Um, and then 
just this last uh, this last month, December, we had a, a fire in our foothills, which is right outside my door, um, that I went in to do response for to try and figure out evacuation sites and sheltering mm. and got that under control, closed our shelter. Less than 24 hours later, I was on planning for a warming shelter, which if anybody knows, we had a very uh, generational freezing storm, negative 30 degrees wow. for a couple of days. And so we decided as a community that we would open a warming shelter um, mm -hmm. to specifically open up to the community who needed mm -hmm. someplace warm to be. Um, and a lot of that was um, on a lot of our unhoused population, yeah, yeah. which um, was a, we just had our after action review and it was very successful. Mm -hmm. Our mission was to save lives and we saved lives that night we had people out in vans going to remote locations known where people are sleeping in tents without you know proper gear um and so that was a big was a big lift all over the holidays <laughs> they always happen over the holidays <laughs> yeah yeah you can't you can't plan for these things can you no matter how much you might do disaster planning the there's nothing quite like the real life scenario and Right. I just think it's ironic, isn't it? Out of all those crises and disasters, you haven't mentioned the one big global thing that went on in the last couple of years. You have had that to deal with too, right? Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I did all the operations for our COVID response, which yeah. was a two-ish year type of, of situation here. And I actually was doing the operations for the COVID response when the Marshall Fire the large urban fire hit and I had to bow out of the COVID response just because I just did not have the capability and the and the time to do both. Mm -hmm. um, so there was a little gap in that piece, but I still, you know, to this day, I'm proud of the work I did for the COVID response. It just yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think we're all at the point where we're like, if we hear the C word one more time, we might just poke our eyes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tell you what I found really impactful was uh, reading your um, your LinkedIn article back in March 2021 when you were talking about the impact on you and the community of this uh, this mass shooting. Mm -hmm. well, I assumed it. Maybe I've assumed it was a shooting. Maybe it was a mass fatality. Yep, it was a mass fatality, and it was something that um, you can plan for, you can train to, yeah. but it will never be like you imagine it to be. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that you cannot really comprehend until you're actually there, and I hope no one ever has to be there. Mm -hmm. um, it's, you know, Boulder is pretty cl close knit community. It's very um, it's a college town mm. and so i think the idea from the city and the county was it won't happen here sure. it can't happen here and when it did it did mm. and we lost 10 lives that day unnecessarily i mean it was just ugly and disgusting you're a wholehearted human being you lead with your heart and i imagine it hits differently when it's you know, not a natural disaster, but one of human disaster. Like, Absolutely. What, what because you, you can't, you, it's like you, like you, natural disasters are going to happen. Floods, yeah. fires, tornadoes, earthquakes, they're going to happen. And we know what to do. We know how to handle that as a, mm -hmm. as a community, as a response community. 
what we get into is when you have that human factor and you just cannot understand the why. Mm. And you and I've talked about the why a lot of times Mm -hmm. about a lot of things, but Mm -hmm. understanding the why in that situation, you just, you can't grasp it. You can't comprehend it. And that's the sad part. Like I show, I, I did my thing. I showed up and I responded and I was a mess for Mm. days after that. Um, because I wasn't, I couldn't understand the why, and I still don't understand the why. And Mm. even a year later, when I was giving a presentation about that tragedy at an emergency management conference, I was prepared. It's been a year. I'm not going to get emotional. That's not going to happen. And like that trauma, mm-hmm. as we know, trauma is not linear. It just right. hit me when I'm standing up there talking to, you know, 50, 60, 70 people. And it just hit me. And I looked at my, 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 <laughs> my partner and I said, I'm going to need a minute. Like yeah. I have to like sort of sit with this for a minute. Mm-hmm. And the audience was really awesome. Didn't know there was a lot of sort of big wigs so I was a little bit oh but it was very authentic and it was very real and I wasn't sorry that that had happened because it was really about you know I was talking about creating a space Mm. for people who have lost loved ones who who don't know they've lost loved ones Mm. and picking a spot picking a venue that is you know to scale Mm. they picked a, a CU Colorado University Event Center, which is like a coliseum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were 10, 10 people lost mm-hmm. and the families were showing up. It was very cold. It was very big. And it just, at that moment, it just hit me like, can you imagine what those families felt like in that environment and how mm-hmm. much different it could have been if we were very thoughtful about where we picked? And it was just really overwhelming when mm-hmm. that, that sort of hit when I was up there talking about it. Hey, my friends, thank you for being with us so far. I hope you're enjoying the interview. I just wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about our signature heart print coaching. Our heart print coaching is for you if you're ready to go all in on becoming a heart-centered leader, ready to go all in on doing more of what you love, ready to see what you are capable of with support, guidance, and accountability. You're ready to go on a rapid transformational journey that will change your life and others in as little as three months. Are you ready to show up with courage and share your gift with the world? Ready to start making an income and more impact by doing what you love? Ready to start leaving your legacy where those around you are left better than yesterday? In our Heartprint Signature Coaching, in our time together, I'll help you lead from your heart set. I'll help you develop other people and your team. I'll help you bring your heart work to the world. I'll help you start leaving a legacy and capturing examples of your impact. I will help you be someone you love, to do more of what you love, and to serve people that you love. It's an amazing opportunity for someone who's ready to go all in and be a heart-centered leader. I'll throw in loads of other bonuses, including your life languages profile, Uh, access to our Master Heart and Mind membership, and even some Always Better Than Yesterday merchandise. Head to abty.co.uk forward slash coaching to find out more, and I look forward to connecting with you very soon. That's abty.co.uk. Yeah, and and I guess in in kind of your role as um, the the Friends and Relatives Centre, I guess the reunification 
is obviously the the ideal outcome but for for people on that day they weren't going to be reunified and and I and I know enough about you that you see hearts you see souls you see faces and um yeah I can only imagine how how tough that was to be but I also understand from the article that you wrote is that you know in 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 being part of that trauma it's brought up trauma of yourself and and then it sounds like from from the way you've written that there was a an inner battle that says who am i to feel this way i haven't lost anyone but you're you're dealing with the physical sensation of trauma and -hmm. yet the mind is going suck it up like this you know who are you to feel like this and it's just like had talk to us about that dichotomy that wrestling that you had to go through yeah and i think you know i'm an empath like i can I, I I have no choice in the matter. Um, I will walk by someone and I will feel an energy shift and I will feel, um, I know when something is not right. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, like I, I put on a hat and, and I had a job to do. And it's not that I was cold. It's not that I didn't care. Yeah. I just knew that if I really stepped out of that role, I wouldn't be able to um, support the the mission. Mm-hmm. And so it became sort of mission critical. It was probably like a 15 hour, I showed up for like 15 hours with um, folks. And the, the, the part that's really like enlightening for that was there was a, a gentleman who um, like, there were like four or five of us there and we knew we knew that these families were gone. Family members were gone. And that was not our job to say, I'm so sorry you've lost a family member. That was, you know, our coroners and our sheriff's department and mm-hmm. police. And so we were there just to hold that space for people. And watching them all go into a room with these officials saying, I don't, can't tell you yet. yet. I can't really tell you yet, but I'm suspecting that your family member is no longer with us. And then Mm -hmm. having people come out and, you know, just watching them and having that empathy for them and just showing up for them, being there, whatever they needed in that moment is what we did for them. And I knew that if I didn't just sort of check myself a little bit, Mm -hmm. I would have been even more of a mess and it would have been awful for them. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that just really stuck out for me was there was a gentleman who I knew his wife had passed away mm. and he came up and I think he knew as well. And he came up to me and he asked me, what do you need? How are you? And I was like, I was, I had to go like, I had to mm. blink back my emotions. And I, you know, I don't even remember what I said to him. Yeah. I think I just put my hand on him and I said, today is a very impactful day. I am fine. What do you need? And then he said, I'm good. And he left. And, you know, later that next morning, like I knew his name. Mm. We had the official list. Mm. I saw his wife's name. And that's when I was done. I lost it. Mm. That's when I could release that emotion. But I don't have a choice. Mm. I just... I am that and I'm not, I have a love hate relationship with being Mm. an empath. Mm. Um, But 
it was, it was a struggle for sure. Mm. Absolutely. To be able to just sort of be present. Cause I know that they were so, they were so hurting. So, yeah. so, so bad. Yeah. I think it's about that time when, um, I remember being downstairs in the kitchen. I was like, oh, Christine's calling. I was like, oh, amazing. Like, and then I just answered and it's like, oh, Christine's not okay. And then uh, <laughs> took the conversation out of the kitchen. But yeah, just can only imagine. And it's um, like you say, there's that perspective that says that you're not going through it, but you are going through it in a very different way. And, you know, and I think the cliche question is, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know how you got through it. And I think by the sounds of it, like you didn't have a choice. Like, it's not like you say you had it all together it's not like and I guess that's the the reality of a crisis a disaster it's not normal it's not natural there's going to be emotion and trauma and the reality is how long did that take for you to slowly come back to your senses back into your heart your mind and your body being in one place well I think I mean days for sure. Like there were, it was probably a good week of just daily emotions, tears, talking to people, um, having that outlet. And I think over, I mean, like I said, a year later, I'm having a conversation about it and it just pops up Mm. because I believe that, you know, like I said earlier, trauma is not linear. I may experience something five years from now and that visual will come in my head and I will have to be, Oh, Oh, where's this, where's this coming from? Mm. Sort of unpack that for myself at that point. Yeah. And and your good husband, John, I, I imagine it's like, I want to help. Like, how do I help? Like just not knowing. And what, what was the best thing that he could have done for you at that time? Or what was the best thing he did do for you at that time? Um, I think, you know, for him, I think he, relies on me to ask for what I need, Mm -hmm. which I appreciate because I think there's a lot of times when you have a significant other or a friend who they're feeling so lost that they themselves are like, I'm going to overhelp. I'm going to overdo something. And it just, sometimes it can make you feel for me, like if I'm just like saying something, like when I called you, like I wasn't yeah. looking for you to fix anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just wanted to be heard. I yeah. just wanted to get it out. And so I think, you know, for him, that's what he did. And that's mm. that's great. And there was no like, hey, you should do this, you should do that, which sometimes happens. And I mm. think when that happens for people, for me, it makes me feel like, oh, well. I'm not good enough to figure this out on my own. So I have to have somebody tell me, which isn't the case, Mm -hmm. but I think having that relationship up front and knowing like what my needs are and having him say, Hey, how can I show up for you? Mm. That was great. That was absolutely great. But I did lean on a lot of colleagues and a lot of people in the field that understand it a little bit more. Um, And I still do that with every disaster, uh, with every event that we do with every thing it's like it's that community that we have among amongst our first responders and our incident managers and emergency managers and disaster Mm. managers um because we all kind of understand it if that makes sense yeah what do you think um what do you think characterizes the community of boulder county say more what do you mean 
what do you think if boulder county well it is it's the living entities the hearts and the souls the heartbeats of the the residents the people the people that work there the people that serve there like coming sometimes tragedy brings people together like how did your community respond how did it reveal itself to you like what sort of things would you say of the of the people of boulder county yeah, I, I, for that particular event, it was definitely a coming together. I think um, in the re response phase, it was a lot of a lot of people. You know, tons of different um, community partners came together, almost to the point where it was a little overwhelming for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think the recovery piece is where it really gets into the um you know what am i sort of entitled to as a victim and i think we have to as a community understand what being a victim is a victim of a mass fatality a mass casualty event it's a large population yes you have the families of the families and friends that were impacted that had passed away then you also have you also have a community who's watching this, who's also traumatized. Mm -hmm. And so what does being a victim mean? How mm -hmm. do we wrap ourselves around this whole community in order to, you know, support this? It was in a supermarket. So it was a, in a neighborhood, well-established neighborhood. People have lived there for a very, very long time. They go there and now they're like, well, I can't go there. And like, holy crap, this happened like a block from me. Like, how do you support that side of being a survivor or a victim, whichever you choose? I like survivor, but yeah, there's, yeah. you know, those sorts of things. So definitely people showed up. Um, we do um, a lot of work with our uh, community foundation that raises money for these types of things. Um, and then just the first responders were awesome. And a couple of weeks later, they did a event um, for the first responders, including myself, um, which was really cool to see and also a little bit re-traumatizing, if you can right, imagine, yeah, because yeah. they had it in the very same place where we had the sure. reunification center. So mm -hmm. I think, yeah, it's it's definitely a tight-knit community, even though it is a college town. Yeah. Your people that have uh, listened to the first time that you were on, they'll know that your why is all about easing suffering. Mm -hmm. like did does, does this role that you're in like does it help you be full of purpose or does it leave you with despair like no despair I think yeah. you know that was the one thing I was thinking about in preparing for our conversation was that big shift from you know focusing in on coaching and doing workshops and 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 that sort of stuff to what what is meaningful for me? Yeah. Like what is what is my purpose now? Mm -hmm. And my purpose still is to ease suffering for anyone I can whenever I can. Yeah. And this is a way that I can do that and like it feeds my soul. So it mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily make me I mean yes, I have moments of sadness and moments yeah. of things I have to process and get through and work through and understand and figure out. And then there's the tactical side, but it's really the human side. Mm -hmm. And so if I can set up protocols and processes within our structure that make these types of events 
less stressful and less impactful for the community that it's happening in, that feeds my soul, that feeds my purpose. And so much so that I volunteer for, you know, Team Rubicon, which is a, a disaster response group, um, which is like we've supported, they've been a community partner forever, been a partner. And so now I am with them. So it's like, it just, it's, I feel like, and I think I just made a post about this not too long ago. It's like a career versus work yeah. and versus what drives you. And, you know, when we were younger, my generation is like your parents said, get a career, get a skill set, stay with the same place for, you know, 50 years. And so that was sort of my, my, my mindset. And then recently it's like, no, I want to learn new things. Mm -hmm. I want to grow, which means then my career and my job and what I do every day changes as it should, mm. because then I'd be stuck if I didn't do that. Not that yeah. I'm not passionate about my coaching and doing my private practice, because I am. Yeah. I do both. It's not the end all be all. You know what I mean? You have the freedom to express yourself, whatever is right for you in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You've had a uh, you've had a right old time of it. You had a heart surgery as well in the last couple of years. Is that, is that right? Yep. I and, and unfortunately, I have to have another one in a month. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, I had some heart stuff, some medical stuff, and I unfortunately lost my mother in September of last year, which yeah. um, was something I also was never prepared for, even though. Yeah, in the, the larger picture of things, um, the the piece about easing suffering, she was in a lot of pain. And um, so in the end, I was very um, grateful that she was no longer in pain. Didn't mean I didn't miss her mm. um, at all. I still do. And I think for me, it's knowing that I showed up yeah. for her for years to help her and I have no regrets yeah. and that's what life is about living your life and showing up with no regrets. Mm. And that's one piece that I don't, I don't have. Um, so that is still like a process. I'm still processing through that. And I still have my moments of like sadness and, you know, I just had a birthday and, and yeah. things like, the first, right? Holidays. I think, you know, this last, you know, Christmas, I was dealing with the warming shelter and the fire, which was a distraction. And ultimately I think it was probably a good thing for me. Um, with my birthday, we, you know, we went out as a family and my, my dad gave me a card and it said mm. for my daughter, instead of our daughter, yeah. I was not ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, wow. it, it hit me pretty hard. And, um, yeah, I, I shed some tears and I, you know, there's been moments when I've done that and I, you know, I went to Florida to respond to Hurricane Ian like five weeks after she had passed because I just needed something for my soul. Yeah. I just needed something and I had a huge, profoundly impactful experience there in dealing with that piece. Mm -hmm. Um which I can share if we have time, but mm -hmm. if we don't, that's okay too. Um, but I think in being in service of others for me, service over self will always be my motto as because mm. it fits in with the 
easing suffering because mm-hmm. if I'm doing service over myself, all my needs are met. Yeah, that's beautiful. And Mama's name? Sharon. Sharon. With Sharon two and Jim, isn't it? Sharon yep. and Jim. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I've seen many, many photos over the years. Yeah. Very sweet. Oh. Bless her. And how's he doing? Is he okay? Dad's good. Good. I think we, I think, you know, the first, like everything is going to yeah. be a challenge. And my brother and I and family, we just sort of wrapped ourselves around each other and it's okay. It's mm. okay. Cause we're easing our own suffering and each other's suffering at that point. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I've always wanted to come over and have a, uh, it was the Sunday afternoons with um, your husband cooking his chicken on the barbecue and the old fashions. Like, I'm like, come on, I need to sit on the porch and have an old fashioned with these guys. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one day, one day. Uh, I keep keep saying to Abby, we just need to get an RV and just do a noise bit and yesterday tour from the East Coast to the West Coast. And uh, Heck yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll stop off in Colorado for a few weeks at a time. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. That would be awesome. So what'd you get up to in Florida? So um, in Florida, Team Rubicon is a, a veteran owned nonprofit and they um have veterans and what they call kick-ass civilians which that's because i'm not (laughs) yourself yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. um uh, and so i've always wanted to join them i just never really had the time or any of those sorts of things so there was a big flood in montana which is a couple states north of us if people don't know and i really wanted to go and serve um so I joined and that's when my mother got very sick and I wasn't able to go and after she had passed I was like the hurricane happened in Florida which it's like 850,000 people like huge like pretty much half of Florida was Mm. like wiped out and they said hey anybody want to serve and I was like I'm just going to sign up and see what happens because normally it's like your first time you sign up they don't really say let's go and I got a, a message that said pack your bags you're going I was like what (laughs) so um I mean a lot of people don't know that I don't really travel very often myself. so um that was a huge thing for me to to be you know brave enough to step into that space and travel by myself and go to places that I've never been and I showed up and you know sitting in the Tampa airport waiting for my ride who I had no idea who it was and then getting in a van and going you know three mile or three three hours south to um Fort Myers and and staying in an American Legion space on a army cot for like a week I was like what have I done like I knew that was gonna (laughs) be there but one of the jokes was I was like I think I might be more of a princess than I thought just (laughs) because how how can I do this Um, but I did and you know our job was to go out and and help people who couldn't get in their homes you know things over their homes trees you know just clean up properties of people that you know had egress issues that couldn't quite get there and then we would take all the stuff and debris and carry it to the curb so then it could come picked up and go off just Mm. trying to help people do that piece and the profound experience was um everyone knew that i had lost my mom Mm. and um we were i was doing what they call swamping 
which means carrying all the logs from the, the trees that people have sawed down or fallen down and taken it to the curb. That was my job. Mm -hmm. And um, the earlier in the week, they wanted me to do things like take this car to get the windshield fixed. I was like, I didn't come down here to like drive around, like put me in, like give me the dirtiest job. So they gave me that job. And the, the lead of that group, you know, we're kind of, it was 100% humidity, 95 degrees. I'm not used to that. Like <laughs> we were all sweaty and we were all gross and, but it was awesome. And he stopped me and he said, Hey, Saunders, is it everything you wanted it to be? And <laughs> I said, yeah, and more. And then I just hit me, like it just hit me. And I just started sobbing. Mm -hmm. I hadn't cried since the day my mother passed mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. for whatever reason, I'm not going to, you know, put too much weight on that, but I didn't cry. I didn't have that process. And I started sobbing and I could not stop. Mm -hmm. My nose was running. My eyes were running. I was sweaty. And, you know, finally about an hour into that, he kind of stopped me. He's like, I know that you're okay, but I really just want to check to see if you're okay. And can I cuss on here or do you want me yeah, to go ahead? Yeah, go ahead. Real talk. <laughs> I should have asked you that before, but he, I, he said, good. And I said, my mom would be so fucking proud of me right now. Yeah. And he looked at me and then he started tearing up and he's like, don't, don't. You do <laughs> but it was just like, she was there with me and yeah. it was just, so what I needed mm. for my heart and my soul mm. to give back to others in the name of my mom, because she would be so proud of me for going down there and doing that. And I will, I have made friends for life. I will do it again and again and again. It's just so empowering to mm. be able to do that. You um, obviously know I had Matthew McConaughey on and, and, and in that, Days to confuse film. He obviously has a scene where it's not long after he's lost his own father, and the he, t he told me about a time where the um, the producer or the director had sort of said to him, like, "Your dad's still there. Like, if you want to speak to him, pick up the phone and call him." Sort of thing. Like, it's almost like this idea that the spirit of them continues to live on, and um, you know, and and I really like that idea that. We can engage with them now. We can engage with them in the present because we could just say, "What would Mama do?" You know, you know, or you look at yourself and you're the embodiment of some of those values that she held dear to herself. Absolutely, and I think for me, it's um, it's in those moments when I'm just sitting by myself and I hear a song or I see an image or like I smell something and. It's not like, oh, that reminds me of my mom. For me, it's like, oh, mama's here. Like just listening to, we were, John and I were in a restaurant on vacation and John Denver came on. Mm -hmm. Mama loved John Denver. And then the next one was Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond was one of her favorites. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> mama's on she the jukebox. Is here. <laughs> she is here with us. And so, yeah, it's, I, I, it is. I feel, I feel her and I, and I, I'm aware of her so yeah 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 for people that haven't listened to the first one and they, they haven't clued up on uh, what you've said so far what is important to you like what are some of the values that you hold dear to your heart um well service over self is one of them i feel like that is 
that contribution to something greater than myself really helps me to get all my needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, I am about being authentic. Mm-hmm. I'm about being imperfectly perfect. <laughs> I'm about sharing your story. I still yeah. 100% believe and, and, and still do and advocate for everyone has that story yeah. and everyone's story matters. Yeah. And so um, if, if I can help someone share their story and it's healing for them, I know it will be healing for others. Mm. And so I still advocate for that piece. Speak your truth. Even when you don't have the words, that's when you got to speak louder, like just share and, 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 and do because it's empowering you and it's empowering someone else. Mm. Um, And then of course, I just had this conversation just not two hours ago, but I still believe that everything, it begins and ends with love. Mm. If you don't have love for what you do, you don't have love for yourself, you don't have love for your community, it's a challenge sometimes. So Mm. understanding that love isn't scary. Mm. That's what I'm trying to get apart for people. Like it is not scary. Love is not scary. It's just your meaning. So you get to choose what that meaning is for yourself. I think people find the absence of love scary even though they might not be able to find the words for it, you know, that, and it's that fear of either losing it or the fear of being rejected from it. I think it's that, that people really fear and in doing so aren't able then to engage in, in, in the possibility of love. Yeah, I agree. 100%. It's, it's that, that human instinct. Like I have to protect myself. So I'm going to put up a wall. I'm going to say that love is horrible. I'm going to say that the reason that love is horrible is because I got hurt 25 years ago and I'm not going to even unpack any of that stuff. And if we can get people to a place where let's just have conversations about it. What does it feel like? What does it look like? You know, how does it, how do you act? Like love is not all romantic. It's, it's just love. It's a feeling. It's a it's a, it's an energy. It's not necessarily, not necessarily a romantic connection with someone. Yeah. Of course that's there, but it's really just that energy that yeah. you have when you love something or yeah. Well, you know, the good book talks about how, um, you know, I love Bob Goff's interpretation of love does mm-hmm. love, it, love is a verb, love is action. And, um, you know, the good book and obviously Jesus talks about how the greatest gift that we can have is to lay down our life to the for the ones that we love. And fortunately, we live in a world where we don't have to literally lay down our lives. Um, but what you're saying is service. And I think service is love, the the willingness to serve someone else's needs. Yep. How do we how do we make sure that that stays healthy and that I'm serving from a place of um, willfulness and wholeness? And, and I love what you say around that 100, 100. Because mm-hmm. so many people serve from an empty cup and things go wrong when they don't get that back in return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> but yeah, like um, the hundred hundred pieces, you know, it's not 50 50. I've had I've said this for years. It's mm-hmm. it's 100 100. And if you like I, I think about it in a space of resiliency and um like you have to have love for yourself, number one. Mm. 
I mean, that sounds sort of, you know, put your mask on in the airplane, you know, charge your phone, like, but you have to have that love for yourself. If you can't be open enough to be okay with your imperfections or your flaws and love yourself anyway, it's harder to then love others. And, you know, with the resiliency piece, it's like, yeah, there are days when I don't want people to go, man, you're so awesome because you're resilient and you keep going. And like, I just had somebody say to me, like, you got knocked down, you got knocked down, you kept going, you kept going. And that's awesome. Like, no, no, it's not. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want hard. I want easy. I want peace. I want calm. Um, But it's also recognizing that that resiliency piece you know, is, is, is about the love that you have for yourself and the boundaries that you put around what you can and you can't do and being able to say no, which is very, very hard for, for me. And Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of work around that. It's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say no and not have to explain yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah, you have to have love for yourself in order to be resilient. So. Hmm. Did you have a good birthday? <laughs> I did. I had a great birthday. I got to, um, I mean, like I said, with the whole birthday card thing, that was a little, wasn't expecting that. And so on my actual birthday, I did, I went, I, did, I worked out because I have to do some, you know, take care of my body. And I went home and I just had this calling to just go to the mountains and the reason that I go to the mountains is because I feel closer to God I wanted to talk to my mom I wanted to just have peace it was snowing it was beautiful I was the only person there the creek was running um I didn't spend a whole lot of time there just because it was cold and snowing and I didn't know how long it was going to snow and I didn't want to get stuck um and I spent the day by myself um which is typically something that's very uncomfortable for me and so I knew that if I wanted to be at peace I would just have to sit with being uncomfortable and figure out why and I didn't really have any uncomfortable I read I did what I wanted I talked to who I wanted to Mm. Um, so it was a really nice birthday and then we went out to dinner (laughs) Mm. it was great I get birthday week though You really are a princess. I am a princess. <laughs> <laughs> you had any new tattoos recently? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I have a, a one on my ribs that's a, a a woman being lifted out of wherever with like flames and gorgeous like flowy stuff just like rising up from darkness. So. Mm, is that uh is that symbolic of someone in particular? Not necessarily someone, but maybe myself. Like, I feel like there has been, you know, I had pretty, you know, dark times, mm-hmm. like before you and I even kind of connected mm-hmm. and I started working through all of that stuff. And yeah. it's still, it's still a process. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, you know, trying to figure out where I'm going, where I am, where I'm going, what I want to do. Um, I just really felt like I had a lot of experiences over the last five, six years where I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my community and 
I came from a dark place into this very empowering light. Mm. And I wanted to embrace that piece. For me, that was, that was, that was it. I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying that I don't go back to those every once in a while. And I also have strategies to figure out, oh, that's what's happening. That's what it feels like. Now I need mm. to figure out how to get out of that. Because you and I know that I wallowed in my own misery for like 25 years. So I don't want to ever go back there. Yeah. And sometimes it scares me when I allow myself to do that for a little bit of time. So I'm very much aware of that. <laughs> there's no such thing as there's no no way you could go back. It's not possible because you are who you are now. But, um, you know, the thing I keep seeing time and time and time again is that the depths that you can meet yourself is directly proportionate to now the depths that you can meet other people. And, and I think sometimes the most hurt people on this planet end up becoming the most compassionate because, because they've met themselves in that darkness. They're more able, they have more, it's almost like leveling up, upgrading, being able to see a spectrum of humanity that you can't otherwise relate to. Mm-hmm. And that's only made possible by embracing the the void, the darkness, the shadow. Um, so there's always purpose in the pain. Absolutely. And I think the last time I was on with you or one of the times that we've had a yeah. conversation yeah. <laughs> was, you know, now I lost my train of thought, but it's, it's, um, it's taking what you've learned from the dark yeah. and understanding it understanding the why and finding the good Mm. in every situation Mm. and you know not that every situation that's happened to or for me because there's a little bit of difference has it wasn't good wasn't great but something good came out of it because if I wasn't able to experience the things in life that I experienced yeah I wouldn't be me today I would not be the person I am today and understanding who I am and what I want to do and who I want to be and how I want to show up. And and that attaching meaning is so subjective that it can do one or two things. You can be trapped to that attachment and the meaning, or you can be empowered by it. And I guess that's what you mean by find the good, isn't it? It might not necessarily be good by nature, but it serves a purpose. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And if you can find like, I believe, I mean, and you may not know right then and there. And sometimes that's the frustrating part. Like, I don't understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. And I used to say, I don't understand why this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. And I've shifted that. I've put a meaning to it. It's like, why is this happening for me? What is the opportunity? Where is the lesson? What am I getting? What is the universe saying to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And until you understand what you're getting, it's going to keep happening over and over and over again until you dig deep enough and unpack shit. <laughs> One of my guests a couple of weeks ago, she said this, she says, everybody's running around doing personal development in the light and actually growth occurs in the dark. <laughs> and it's just, it's just one of those stark reminders to go, do you know what? If it ain't for your challenges, you're not growing. Right. Right. <laughs> if it's easy, like I said, I wanted easy. I wanted calm. Yeah. And that's nice. Yeah. And you're right. It is after three years of crises, back to back to back to back, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Someone's got to rest. 
<laughs> yeah. And that's another, you know, thing I need to work on is like putting up that, that time for me to just sort of rest yeah. because I, sometimes I have this energy about me. That's like, I'm not doing enough. Like that was one thing that kind of happened. I think it was last summer. I had gone to a, a like a memorial thing for fallen um, veterans and heroes and like their mission was going around the country to, you know, give people an insight of what this is like and like, let's prevent some suicides yeah. for veterans. It's a very big number that's happening. And I left and I volunteered to sort of be like a person, you know, that's me, to be a person that sort of follows people around and asks, you know, answers questions about this particular, you know, display. And I left there and I said to myself, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why that came to me, but it did. And that's when I decided like, I'm going to join Team Rubicon and I'm going to do all these challenges for stop soldier suicide. And I'm going to be out there and be an advocate. And I have to be careful because sometimes you get a little bit too into it and it just encompasses you. But I was like, I need to do more. And I just had this overwhelming feeling of I need to do more. And I don't know why. And I mean, it's all good, but. Which is great. Know. Which is great accountability, isn't it? If you can do more, do more. Like that is a wonderful you know and it's a paradox there's a fine line of walking that paradox because is it under the illusion of lack or is it through the overflow and if right. you've got more capacity if you've got more capability great you've just held yourself accountable to a higher standard which is that love tough piece right is that love yeah. tough means i'm capable of more i need to bring it versus yep. I'm beating myself up what is good enough what is enough anyway what does that even mean mm -hmm. and well and I think I it was also um trying to explain that to family like why do you want to go to Florida why do you want to help build tiny homes for veterans why are you running five and a half miles like trying to help them understand my why behind it was sometimes a little challenging because like I was trying to figure out the why with this mass fatality, they're trying to figure out the why I'm doing what I'm doing and what it means to me. And for me to articulate that sometimes it's really challenging. Like I just, I just need it. And that's, that's the same. That's the principle. That's it. There's no more, no less. I just have a pull to do it. So mm. I do. You said earlier that you had some strategies and, um, you on your Facebook, you talk about being an empowerment and strategic intervention coach. What is strategic intervention and how might that show up in coaching? I It's tools and strategies that are proven to, to be able to have you think, get out of a pattern. Mm. You know, I think like one of the things that I, I, I've been talking about is like, consistently being disappointed mm -hmm. like people are feeling disappointed okay so why are you like that that means you need to unpack something mm -hmm. and here's some ways to do that you can put a different meaning to it you could do this exercise where you you know ask yourself questions like the why the nine whys that's one of my favorites mm -hmm. to do with someone is like i feel this way 
okay, why? And then, you know, it's usually pretty surfacey to begin with. I was like, okay, so again, why? Like continuing to get to the, the, the deep rooted cause of why they're feeling that way. And so it's just figuring out those tools and strategies that work for people. And if it's an accountability person, if it's a goal setting for people, if it's understanding, trying to figure out, understand what your purpose is or what your why is, like you have done with multiple people, like there's just strategies out there that people can tap into. And I think people get into this space where they're like, I don't even know where to start. Mm. Well, the starting is just Googling something. Like, how is this done? How do people do this? And, you know, people find people like I randomly got invited to to lead a vision board workshop which i haven't done in years but somebody's like i saw you on the museum wall that you did this four years ago and i was like holy (laughs) cow how did that happen and it's like okay now i can teach people some skills i don't hold anything back i just Mm. teach people what i know and what worked for me and if it works for them great and if they can shift it and cater it to their needs and get movement It's all about movement for people. And I just had this conversation at the vision board, like creativity evokes emotion and emotion evokes motion, like action. Mm. So if you can get into this creative space, that's just one strategy. Mm. Creativity and creativity is anything. It's vision boards, writing, it's painting, it's music, it's anything that's getting your creative juices flowing. Mm. It's going to evoke that emotion, which is going to, be easier to do some sort of action or motion. So mm. things like that. Strategic intervention is really just kind of the tough love. Like you want an accountability buddy? I'll be your accountability buddy. You and you I were my were original accountability buddy. That's right, right? That's how you and I connected. Yeah. So I think it's just having that awareness that you need an extra, maybe extra person or an extra skill set or an extra tool in your toolbox. And, you know, for me, like breaking a pattern is one of the things it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in this funk and I need to break my pattern. And one of them just so happened, like I, the other day I was, I was sitting and my heart was doing its thing and I was having anxiety and I actually had a panic attack, which I haven't had in years. I wasn't sure exactly what was going on, but I knew I had to do something physical to break my pattern. So it was snowing outside. I went outside, no jacket, no shoes on. I stood there for a minute. I was like, Oh, it just shocks your system. Yeah. It's just something that little, just to get out of your head and and do something different to mm. move you along. You're a wonderful human being, Christine Saunders, mm-hmm. and um, we don't talk enough. I'm I'm glad that we're having this conversation. Um, you have made things possible for many, many people, and possibility is the heart of heartprint. You'll have probably heard me talk about the word heartprint many times, but. Ultimately, Heartprint is the living legacy that we leave behind in people, the the things that we make possible for others. And I just wonder what you believe your Heartprint to be. <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. I don't think I've created that yet. I think it's the, the long haul journey. I think it's um, being in the moment, not living in the past but taking the lessons learned from the past and then being able to share that with others. Mm. Take your lessons learned in life, share them with others that's impactful and leave them better. Mm. That's what it is all about. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. 
and mm-hmm. ask you what has what have you seen with your actual eyes that has become possible when you ease people's suffering repeat that one more time what have you seen with your eyes actual evidence actual examples that you've made possible by easing people's suffering it's those aha moments i think for me Mm -hmm. and it's not even in an official capacity of a coach Mm -hmm. or a, a leader or any of that sort of stuff but it's it's the messages i get from people or the 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 look in their eyes or the, Oh, I didn't even think about that way. Or, Oh my God, let me write that down. Like, it's just, for me, it's any little nugget that somebody can have that makes their life better because of something that I shared with them. Mm. You can see that you can see that in an energy shift. You can see that in a body language. You can see that in the eyes, the eyes always tell the truth. And so if I can share what I know and what I've learned and somebody takes that from me and has that moment of clarity Mm. that that for me is like yes like I get so excited when people are like oh my god I'm gonna go look this up I'm gonna go research I'm gonna do that like just because I said one thing to them it gets them to get in this different mindset and for me that means that I have made an impact and I have eased Mm. someone's suffering little or small Mm. When are you going to get your radio show back or some form of creative outlet where the world can experience more Christine Saunders? Um, I'm not going to do another radio show because <laughs> that was a lot. I mean, I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved it. As far as podcasts go, I thought about getting them up and running again. Um, I think my challenge for myself is what would the topics be? Um, I think I'm so much into like the disaster and emergency response, first responders. I'm, I'm, I'm on a group that's creating a peer support program through our whole entire state for our emergency managers. And like, that is like, that is awesome. Like I want to be able to have a podcast or something that people in that, in that profession mm. can come on and share how they take care of themselves. Mm. What happens when you respond and this happens. And mm. um, so I'm, I'm kind of in the process of doing that for another entity. So I have to just be pretty careful. Cause we're going to, we're going to do some of those interview type things. It's, it's the story. If your story can help someone else, let's do it. Mm. I love that. Mm-hmm. That the world definitely needs your heart-centered expression that's for sure thank you ryan <sighs> we have to wrap up soon aren't we yeah i did see on uh facebook that abby had a question that she and i i could look it up but she had a question and i thought about it so have you, you right. let me just find it then and i shall actually <laughs> ask the you're honestly you're good at this aren't you keeping me accountable I actually have it, I think, if you don't. I do. Hold on one second, caller. <laughs> <laughs> Where's it disappeared to? Hang on. Three, two, one. Yes, here we go. Yeah. So Abby says, I understand that all our heart prints are unique. But I'm curious if Chris feels that it's possible 
for a part or the whole thing to be passed on from one generation to the next. I guess then, therefore, our part prints are part of our DNA, or are they built from something external? How do you wrap your head around that one? Yeah, I, you know, I, I saw that late last night or early this morning because I was having a little bit of problem sleeping. But um, <laughs> I think it's both, in my honest opinion. And she's very sciencey almost, but I love it. Um, I think it's both because we're all, I believe, we're all born in this pure form, this moment. Um, that comes from our mother and our father mm. and that's part of our dna mm -hmm. both of my parents are very much like me mm -hmm. <laughs> so i feel like there is a part of a generational piece but i also think it's all about the experiences yeah. and from that small age you know no parent is given a book or a manual right so they mm -hmm. do the best they can to pass on the information that they've gotten. Yeah. And then, you know, through the years, it's part of, like, I've always been that person that helps others. Mm -hmm. Where I got that, I'm going to guess my dad. I'm, get, I'm guessing because mm -hmm. it's been from a very, very small age, mm -hmm. young age. Um, and, and until, you know, uh, an experience happened in my early 20s, we kind of shut that piece down for a while. And not that I still wasn't helpful because I was public service for 30 years, but mm -hmm. I think it's both because I think your experiences drive how you show up mm. and the meanings you put to those experiences. Yeah. What do I think? Well, I don't know. Sometimes I reject part of my DNA. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I reject part of that, so maybe I'm in. Maybe I'm just rejecting part of me that's already there. That's a, that's for a different conversation. But um, I believe in this one sentence that we should nurture our nature. So often people talk about is it nature? Is it nurture? Mm -hmm. And I think actually, when it comes to gifts and skills and talents and having them manifest to their fullest expression, I think that we should first tap into our nature. What is it we're drawn to? What is it we love to do? What is it that gives us more energy? What is it that excites us? And then to nurture that. And the greatest insight I got to that is I have two children, both raised under the same house, completely different interests, completely different skill sets. Like Corey is, you know, sporty, scientific. Brooke is creative performer, you know? And Corey can't, Corey, like me, can't sing. Brooke, and Brooke and Lisa can definitely sing whereas Brooke don't give in monkeys about things like maths and school and stuff so I think actually rather than me trying to make these two kids average at everything mm -hmm. I think Lisa and I are trying to create experiences for them to nurture that seemingly natural talent within them yeah I agree 100% and I think it goes back to you know when we're young people and we're going through school and decide that we want to have that career. And it's like what we were sort of told from our parents who didn't have a manual, get a job, has good benefits, gonna have insurance, but there never was that passion or that interest like you're talking about. So for me, I found that way later in life than I think 
this generation is seeing now, because I think there's more emphasis on what do you love to do? What are you drawn to do? University, college isn't for everyone. And that's okay. Yeah. I think if we can tap into our, our own, like you said, interests and not put that parameter around ourselves or our kids or our society, I think it would be more successful than trying mm. to put labels on things, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Where can people connect with you? Say that one more time. Where can people connect with you? Uh, Facebook, Christine Saunders, Instagram, follow your whole heart. And I also have a TikTok. Follow your yeah. whole heart. <laughs> yeah. I do. Are you active? I don't do much. Huh? Are you active on TikTok? Um, yes and no. I was very active during the pandemic. I did a lot of content during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then I just thought, I, this is boring. I, I, I was bored. So yeah, I didn't yeah. do it for a while. And then I've been posting a couple things here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I love TikTok. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I lose your time. I'm, I was active on, on TikTok, but uh, we, we took a break from sharing some of the clips from the podcast. That's the only reason it's up there. And uh, when that uh, gets sorted, my good friend Matt, who does all the videos, will be uploading. I, I'm sure I've got like 90 vi- like clips. Like They're all going to be scheduled. I don't have to post another TikTok for the three, <laughs> three years. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah so yeah and then you know email christine at followyourwholeheart.com would be awesome i'd love to hear from people love that i'll add that to the show notes make sure you reach out to chris let her know how much uh you've been interested by our conversation or whether you have any particular questions for her comments for her i'm sure she'd love to read that and, and see that chris thank you so much absolutely love your heart thank you so much for coming and spending time and allowing me to probe you with my curious questions and just be honored if you'd leave us with a final thought from your good self yeah thank you for having me it's it's always an honor to to share space with you i miss it and um i think one little nugget of advice is honor your feelings sit with them understand them and if you need strategies or ideas to sort of work through places where you're stuck there are people. And so reach out to people, um, but honor your space and honor you. Love you, my friend. Love you too. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organization, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you.